What happens when the story of your life does not go as you imagine? And when you turn the pages on your story, it doesn't turn out as you had planned. Look, for me, I'm just being really honest. I have um, a really kind of like Thomas Kincaid, Norman Rockwell view of how the holidays should be. I'm kind of like an optimist. And so for me, even with five kids from 17 years old all the way down to one, I have the picture that we're all holding hands, singing Christmas carols by the fire, or we have our perfect Christmas meal, and we're all sitting quietly around the table, you know, telling stories of what we enjoyed throughout the year. Only Christmas doesn't work like that. The holidays never go like that. In fact, I've had so many of our holiday dreams and pictures interrupted, uh, like when you're laying, I'm laying on my back, having emergency surgery during the holidays. Or Laura and I are holding one of our kids um, in the ER because they're so sick. Or we're packing up our bags to travel several states of way to go to, the ho- to, go to a funeral during the holidays. And you've had your normal interrupted. Life did not go as you imagined it would go. You got the crisis phone call. You got a tragic interruption. You had something go wrong and it's literally turned your life upside down. You've turned the pages and life was not what you expected it to be and it is not following the plan as you imagined it. And so what do we do? Well, the great thing is that's the Christmas story. Um, the Christmas story has become normal for you and I. We, we see, uh, you know, little Christmas scenes in every yard and in every church, right? Like it's the story of Jesus in a manger with Mary and Joseph and there's a star overhead. And what happened was we've, we've allowed something that was radically absurd and unexpected to become normal. The story has become uh, routine for us and it's become normal. But let me, let me kind of bring you back to the original Christmas story that was not at all what people imagined it would be. It's written uh, through a couple different uh, individuals who personally knew Jesus, and one of them, a guy named Luke, wrote out the account of the life and teachings of Jesus from his experience, meaning here is a guy who was highly educated, uh, who was a well-respected physician, a Greek individual who's introduced to people who believe in Jesus, believe that Jesus was both God and man and became the rescuer of the world. Well, this guy, Luke, when he meets these Jesus followers, he, uh, he becomes so intrigued, so curious, that he begins to investigate the life teachings of Jesus and he becomes persuaded that Jesus is who he said he was, so convinced that he wants to share the story with other people that might be skeptical like him. He writes the story with the goal of letting them know that yes, Jesus is God, but not the gods like you think, right? Because he's talking to people who are Greeks. He's writing to other people who, have, who are familiar with like Greek mythology, that the gods are mystical, they're mythical, they're legendary, but they're not real. But he also writes to let people know that Jesus was a very real man. It wasn't just that God showed up. It was that God showed up as a very real individual with deep roots, roots that run all the way through history. In fact, his roots tie all of history together. You could even suggest that the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus, uh, is what every other moment in history points toward. And so the way 
Luke does this is he introduces you to Jesus by also sharing Jesus' genealogy. And throughout the genealogy, what you're discovering is that all these different moments in history are pointing to Jesus. It's like Jesus is the thread that runs through his ancestry. So let me bring you to the story. It's found in Luke chapter 3. And uh, as, as Luke is introducing this, it's included in the Bible. Luke chapter three. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. I mean, what, a, what an interesting and intriguing and almost scandalous way to introduce you to Jesus' story by saying Jesus is not who you think he was. Jesus' father is not who you think he was. And so let's also jump over to the story as written by another eyewitness of the life of Jesus, his name is Matthew. Matthew writes out the account from his own experience and what he learned and heard about the story of Jesus. And he writes it this way in Matthew chapter one. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the word Messiah means the chosen one, the rescuer of the world. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married, she was engaged, to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. What? Uh-oh, what's going on here? So the story continues. But because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Okay, so let me kind of give you the backstory. You've heard this before, probably many of you, and so this is like normal, like that, the Virgin Mary is, is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Wait a second. Okay. So one day, Mary, Joseph's fiance, comes to him and says, Hey, Joseph, I know that in your mind, you have a picture of like a white picket fence and little Joseph's running around the yard. And, uh, you know, one of our sons is going to take over the family construction business. But heads up, I'm pregnant. Oh, and God is the father. If I'm Joseph, I'm going, yeah, Right. This is ridiculous. It is a little bit of a far-fetched story. And so Joseph, because he loves Mary and he, he, he has cared for Mary, he doesn't want to do the wrong thing. So he's thinking, through, what's the right thing to do in this situation? So he decides the right thing to do is not to uh, go on Facebook and bash Mary. The right thing is not to, uh, you know, at her birthday party, like, surprise, Mary, you're, you're cheating on me and embarrass her in public and then record the whole thing and post the video on YouTube, right? Like, that's not what Joseph does. He just wants to quietly distance himself from her. But after he had considered this, Matthew continues to write in the story, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Meaning the story is exactly as Mary is telling you. And so it continues. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Jesus, which means savior of the world or God is our salvation because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. And then there's this little add-on sentence, which is kind of uh, valuable insight into what Joseph is going through here. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name 
Jesus. So here it is, right? Mary actually sees an angel. A real angel shows up to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to have a baby, and your baby is born, is fathered by the Holy Spirit. Joseph hears about this whole thing. He's distressed, but instead of actually seeing an angel, what he gets is a dream. He goes to bed, and he wakes up after, after sleeping, and he's scratching his head going, that was a weird dream, but man, what a dream. An angel appeared to him and said, Joseph, it's exactly what Mary said. She really is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. The baby she is carrying is God himself, and this baby is gonna rescue the world from all of its troubles. This is, a, this is an interruption, meaning life did not go as Joseph imagined. His white picket fence gets knocked down. His little image of enjoying his honeymoon is not going to go as planned. Uh, in fact, he didn't plan on having to take cold showers for the next nine months after they're married. I, I can't imagine he planned that the only witnesses to his son's birth would be cattle. I can't imagine that he planned on his, his new wife giving birth in a barn because there was no room at any one of the local uh, inns or hotels. But here's what I want you to know, that when life does not go as we imagined, God is not who we imagined. Check this out, right? When life does not go as we imagined, we discover that there is a real God who is not who we imagined he was. And so the application, meaning what do we do with this? During this Christmas season, when we're retelling the Christmas story, we discover that the Christmas story overlaps with our story. It intersects our story. And the principle that we can learn from the life of Joseph is this, that God enters the common to interrupt our common lives. Check this out. Maybe, maybe make a mental note of this. Maybe even make a physical note of this. Maybe pull out a smartphone or a tablet and, and write this down. God enters the common to interrupt our common lives. God entered into the commonness of the womb of a virgin. He entered into the commonness of Joseph's life. He entered into the commonness of a small village called Bethlehem. He entered into the commonness of a barnyard. And in all of those moments, what looked so common was a very uncommon God entering into the commonness to interrupt the commonness. Here's the story, right? Before this page was written, before what is referred to as the New Testament of the Bible was written, the New Testament is the story of Jesus and after Jesus showed up. Well, before that, it was the history before Jesus, what we often refer to as B.C. And here's the deal. In B.C., all of the stories lead up to the end of the Old Testament. And there is a gap between, now in, in your Bible, if you have access to a Bible, you just turn the page from the Old Testament to the New Testament, right? And, and it's, just, it's just a quick flip of the pages. But in reality, there was about a 400 year gap. And during that 400 years, it felt like God was just silent. Meaning nobody was preaching and saying, God says. Nobody felt God's presence. Nobody prayed and felt like God heard them. There was just this absence. And maybe in your life, you feel like you're living in that gap period between the pages. In fact, they, scholars refer to that period as the dry period. 
This, the period between the Testaments, the intertestamental period, is referred to as a dry period because there is this gap where it feels like God is just silent, far away, and distant. And maybe in your life, it feels like God is far away and distant. But what I want you to know is this. What causes us to feel like God is far away and distant when life does not go as planned is that we take life into our own hands. We try to take control. When, when, when life is interrupted, when, when life uh, sends us a curveball, when we get a phone call that we didn't expect, when, when we have a crisis or a tragedy that we didn't uh, plan into our story, there are lots of pages in the story of your life that you did not plan on having written in. They're, they're interruptions, they're, they're troubles, and they, they flip the world upside down. And in the middle of all that, here's what you and I do. When we don't have hope and we don't know where to turn for help, we take life in our own hands and we just do it ourselves. We, we try to take control of our situation. And as a result, we feel this distance between us and God. That distance is created by what Biblical authors and Jesus refer to as sin. Sin is a spiritual force that sabotages our relationship with God, causing us to turn away from God toward doing our own thing. And when we do our own thing, we pursue our own desires. We try to write a story of our own. We try to write our own story about life. We try to pursue our hopes, our dreams, what feels good and makes us um, what we think is good for our life. But the end result of sin is that it separates us from God causes trouble in our lives, and it leads toward an eternity absent of God. Meaning, we go into eternity far away from God into forever judgment. But God was unwilling to leave you and me. He was unwilling to leave history absent of him. So he intervened. He interrupted the common. He interrupted history by becoming one of us. And this is the Christmas story. And interestingly, all of history is defined by this moment. Even in your textbooks, it's defined by this moment. Every year when we celebrate the new year, we acknowledge this moment. Here's what I mean. All of history... Before the Christmas story, we refer to as BC. We use, there's Latin phrases to refer to this, but basically the Latin phrase is before the birth of Christ. And so in the English translation, or in English, it just translates BC, before Christ. All of history before Jesus showed up and interrupted the commonness of history. In our life, we have a similar experience. There's this life before God shows up. And then history records the moment that when Jesus showed up, every year after, there's this phrase, it's a Latin phrase, and it translates in the year of our Lord. The first words, Anno Domini, A-D, right? And it means from the point God showed up, he interrupted history, he changed history, and all of life points to the Christmas story. All the years leading up to, before Christ, all of the years that follow the year our Lord showed up on the scene. And in your life, in my life, we can have that experience where um, we have this BC, AD encounter where we meet God, God who shows up in the common, God who shows up uh, in ways that we couldn't imagine. And so let me repeat that to you. When life does not go as we imagined, we discover that God is not who we imagined and God does not do what we imagined he would do. When you think about this, there's a way that we can respond and really you see the response in the way Joseph reacted 
to this interruption. Here it is. Let me read it again in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But after he had considered this, meaning after he thought about putting Mary out of his life, pushing God out of his life, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said. Meaning, this story is not what Joseph imagined for himself, but it is exactly as God imagined. And the principle that we can learn from the life of Joseph is this. This is what I want you to write down or take note or make a mental note of is, would you and I allow God to interrupt the common in our lives? Would you be willing to allow God to create a BC AD moment where you have your life before you encountered God, you have the moment where you encountered God, and then you have the rest of your life after you encounter God. Would you be willing to allow God to interrupt the common in your life? Here's the deal. For Joseph, life, did, life took a radical turn, a crazy change, but he could have allowed that to be a simple inconvenience. Here's what I mean. What he was considering doing was putting Mary out of his life. This is an inconvenience. But when he encountered an angel in a dream, he allowed it to go from being an inconvenience to becoming an interruption. An inconvenience is something that goes wrong and we try to recapture our story. We try to get back to the plans we set. An inconvenience is a traffic jam that we have to get around on our way to going where we're going. An interruption is when we're going in our direction, we get a phone call and we have to turn around and go in a different direction. And this is what Jesus wants to do in our life. This is what the Christmas story is about. This is what this moment is about, that you discover that God God entered into the commonness of our world. He leaves his fingerprints all through history and he wants to meet you and I right now to meet us in our story. Here is Jesus' mission, not just to be born of a virgin, not just to be fathered by an adoptive father. Jesus did signs, wonders, and miracles, but then he died. He died our death because sin leads to eternal judgment. So what Jesus did was he took our collective eternal judgment on himself. When he died, he didn't die because he deserved to die, but because we deserve to die. So he absorbed our sin, our judgment, our shame. So that when Jesus died, he died once for all. So that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sins and given new life. How do you receive new life? Because Jesus not only forgives us of sin, but because Jesus died and rose again in his resurrection, he conquered the power of death. He freed us from the grip of sin and he removed that eternal judgment from us. So that when we believe in Jesus by faith, God's spirit enters into our spirit and he changes us. See, God can be an inconvenience. Look, you can look at church as an inconvenience. You can look at this as something you just have to kind of go through the motions of during the holidays. You can look at situations in your life as an inconvenience, or you can discover that when life does not go as you imagined, there is a God that is more than you imagined, who is wanting to interrupt the rhythms and the normal of your life and introduce himself to you. Would you allow the interruptions that are going on in your life to be a moment where you realize that God is interrupting? the commonness of life. And he wants to introduce himself to you. And our response is this. First, a response would be, am I willing to believe in Jesus by faith? For those of you that already believe in Jesus by faith, then would you allow situations that could easily be just an inconvenience 
to be a God-sized interruption so that in that interruption, you discover God in a way that you could have never imagined before. I, I want you to think about it like this. If, if your finances are being disrupted, then you can discover that God is a provider in a way you could have never imagined. If you're going through a health crisis, you could see that as an inconvenience or a, or, a, or a real crisis, but it could also be an interruption where you discover God as your comforter in a way you couldn't have imagined, or even God as your healer in a way you could have never imagined. I want you to just simply take this step, this step right now. Would you come to the place, would you be willing to shift from this being an inconvenience to an interruption where you allow God to interrupt the common of your life. And, and then this is what God wants to do in that moment when you make that commitment, that decision, there's a next step to it. And you see it in Mary and Joseph's response. Th this is how Mary responds as recorded by Luke. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. She said, okay, if you want me to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit, let it, let it be exactly as you said. And then listen to what Joseph does. When Joseph woke up from a dream, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now that just sounds like a simple thing, but for Mary, this is gonna be nine months of pregnancy, nine months where everybody around her knows that she's not married, but she's pregnant. And in this context, in this culture, that's a radical issue. I mean, that's gonna be very disruptive in her life. For Joseph, he now has to live out a dream by working harder, providing for his wife, by taking cold showers for the next nine months. Um, I mean, there's a lot of implications to the decision to trust God. And the point is this. It's not just that God interrupts us. It's not just that God wants to give us a, new, uh, 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 a quick interruption that's more than an inconvenience. It's this, that faith means putting action to God's direction. God gave direction to Mary. God gave direction to Joseph. And now because they believe it by faith, they have to actually begin to walk that out. There's an action to the direction that God offers us. And the point is this, in your life, you, you've had the normal way you've lived and then life hasn't gone as you imagine. And so you, you and I are fighting to create a new normal because of the crisis, because of the diagnosis, because of the relationship that collapsed, because of whatever happened in our life that broke the way we thought the story was gonna be written. We fight to create, first we try to get back what was normal. Then we finally accept it and so we create a new normal. God wants to create a new normal as he interrupts our life. And that new normal means putting action to God's direction. So Joseph, he has to learn how to be a father to the heavenly father. And he has to learn how to parent the son of God. He has to go to work and provide for God who is provider. And he has to stand up and become a protector to a child that is God, our protector. His whole world, his whole story is interrupted by a simple dream, but this is the moment. This is what I want you to know, that you and I, when our life gets turned upside down and life doesn't go as we imagine and we get interrupted by the fingerprints of God, here is what, we, what we've discovered. Yes, life doesn't match the dream we had, 
But I assure you the dream God has for your life is more than you could have ever imagined. What God is dreaming for your life, what God wants to write into your life is more than you could have ever imagined. It's greater than you could have ever dreamed. There is a, there is a life beyond the life that we just hope for and we wish for. What God wants to do in you, what God wants to do through you is the dream he has for your life and that dream is better than your dream. Sure, Joseph had a, a, a little dream for his life. Instead, God wanted to put a dream into Joseph's life to make him the adoptive father of God the Father, to, to help him to parent the Son of God. God's dreams for you are more than you could ever imagine, but what it's gonna require is for you to put action to God's direction. What that means is this, right now, when you, when you are willing to allow God to interrupt the commonness of life, he's gonna ask you to take some very common steps. What, what that means is, you, he might be asking you to give when common sense tells you to keep. He, he might be directing you to serve selflessly when your schedule says, I don't have time for that. The, the common step might be loving someone who is not easy to love or forgiving someone who has hurt you deeply. The point is we are responsible to put action to God's direction because that's what faith means. Faith is not easy or obvious. If it was, it would not be faith at all. But the story of God, when he interrupts the commonness of our lives is that he invites us into a world, into a story of faith where, the, where our world is open to the story of God. And that's what I want to challenge you with right now. In what way in this moment, as you're hearing about the Christmas story, can your life become a page in the story of God? Not just you inviting God into your story, but discovering that God wants to invite you into his story right now. This story is about you. It's about where you're at. It's about your moment. It's about what you need in order to encounter God in a very real way. And so my first challenge to you is this. Would you be willing to open up the pages of your life and allow God to begin to write his story into your life? And that, that first step that's gonna mean is for you to believe in Jesus by faith, accept that Jesus is who he said he was, that he is your savior, that he wants to forgive you of sin and give you new life. And if that's where you're at, your commitment right now is to say yes to Jesus and allow God to interrupt your life and give you a new normal. For others of you, you believe in Jesus, but this is gonna require a step where you're willing to not just be inconvenienced, but to allow your whole life to be interrupted and then put action to that faith as you pursue God's direction. And so right now, would you welcome God? Not, not just welcoming God into your story, but allow God to create a, a, a BC, AD moment that turns the page of your entire life. Would you allow God to invite you into his story? So at each of our campuses right now, can, can I just invite you to respond with me? This is your moment. This is the way you're gonna respond in your story. This is gonna be the moment where a new, a new sentence is written. And so I'm asking each of our campus pastors, they're gonna come up right now and they're gonna invite you to respond. But could I get you, would you respond with us right now? And your story is gonna be changed as you welcome God to begin to write a new sentence, a new part of your story. And then you're gonna respond and be invited into God's story.